Hey, everybody. It's Libba this time. Before we get into our Christmas episode of the podcast, I wanted to let you know that it's our holiday donation drive right now. Your donation of any amount really does help. Just the other day, I spoke with a teacher from a high-poverty school that told me how much the History Center's free digital programs meant to their teachers and students. Here's what she had to say. Well, when it was first presented to us at a regional tech conference, I was like, well, that could be interesting. And the first time we had a guest Skype session, I was blown away. These people not only are in full character, but their knowledge was amazing. They knew every possible aspect because you never know what questions kids are going to throw out there. So they would throw out obscure questions and the actors never missed a beat. They were ready for anything the kids might say. Our teachers are overwhelmed at the ninth degree. You know, they are planning tremendous lessons for their kids, but they are not historians. As fabulous as our teachers are, they're not experts at World War II. So to bring in someone who can answer all of the kids' questions, and the teachers love it. They are tell me, we're going to the, into this social studies unit. What can we get from the History Center? I even got to speak to a couple of students. Well, I really wanted to do it again because we learned a lot and it helped me in the school system. It was fun just getting to talk to the characters. Because it shows you more than you learn in a class period. It's fun. It lets you learn and more kids need the chance to learn. If you donate $50 or more by December 25th, you will receive a personalized holiday or New Year video message from one of the historic characters we offer. Whoever donates the most during the drive will receive a private weapons lesson with Glenn. If you can't make a donation, then one free and easy way to help is to write us a review. You can write a Google review, a Facebook review, review this podcast, or email your comments for us to share with others. Just email historycenter at bernal.edu. You can make your donation online at our website, www.negahc.org, or by mail. Our address is 322 Academy Street, Northeast, Gainesville, Georgia, 30501. However you help the History Center this holiday season, we really appreciate it. Now, on to the show. Hi, everybody. <laughs> oh, see, Glenn's not saying hi because he doesn't want to do this podcast because he's a great. And it's that special time of year when Glenn doesn't think it's that special time of year. It's, uh, it's, it's a time of year. It's a time of year. And, and here's the thing. Glenn's got quite the reputation around the old History Center. It's quite the Grinch, but only with the public displays. He loves the Christmas time love, at home. You know, when I'm in my own home with my beloved and blessed family, and we're all sitting around, and we decorate in the Christmas tree, we drink the eggnog, we <laughs> sing the songs, we hang the stockings by the chimney with care. Uh-huh. It is all wonderful, and it is good family time. But when I go out into the world and see the mess that it is and has become and continues to be, I merely want to shake my fist at the fates and ask them what they have done. (laughs) Anyway, so obviously our topic today is Christmas and and winter traditions in general that that preceded Christmas, sort of where some of our modern traditions come from. But let's, let's do it chronologically. Let's go back to the universe being formed and the solar system and the earth and various and sundry stars. And we'll start with solstice. Solstice. It's a time when the stars are at a certain point <laughs> over the planet. They are. Because 
early on it was the the stars that revolved around that's the planet. That's right. That's absolutely correct. This is, we got some good mid- medieval cosmology going on here, <laughs> and then this guy Kepler had to screw it all up. Always with the telescopes uh, uh, and, the and the lookings and the seeings, and of course that guy Galileo. Anyway, in you know prehistoric, Neolithic, Iron Age, all this, n- knowing the position of the sun, knowing the position of the stars, the Earth knowing the equinoxes and all that sort of stuff, had a very practical purpose. It told you when to plant, when to harvest, when things light fallow, how the year was progressing. So the solstice is important. And let's not... Let's, let's not assume everyone knows. So the solstice. Yes, true enough. There is a summer and a winter, and those are the days that are longest. The summer solstice is the longest day of the year. year right. The winter solstice is the shortest right. sunlight amount of sunlight right. day of a year. And the equinox, as you might guess from the prefix equa, means it's the two times of the year where the days are equal in length. So it's the procession of the equinoxes and the two solstices anchor the agricultural calendar, right. which, as we all know, prior to the modern industrial age, was everything. Was everything. We 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 keep referring to the agricultural calendar. We're going to have to just do a whole thing on agronomy and agriculture someday. That'll be a seven-part podcast. So, so strap yourself <laughs> in. So you know, solstice falls in the month of December. By the way, we we reckon things. It's just the name we happen to have for this time period. So solstice and associated festivals with that go back time immemorial. Uh, you start having names for them. I'm sure that every culture had its name for that special time. Right. Uh, two of the names that probably people know now are things like Saturnalia, which was the Roman equivalent of the Solstice Festival, and of course Yule, which was the Germanic or Northern European. I think those two are going to be most prominently yeah, remembered in the pop so. culture. But they're all referring to that same time of year. You know, the, the harvest is in, it's, it's midwinter. And you're, it's you're, colder almost always. In, well, you're as indoors as, as often as, as you, you can. As you're be. ever going to be during the year. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. I mean, you still have to go out and tend the cows and such, but you're this indoor going on. And, you know, this is the time of year where you, if you've got a little bit of food and you've, you're all in for the winter, it's natural to have a festival. It's natural to have gatherings. You know, it's natural to observe the solstice and know, ah, the progression is happening. And so that's where these origins of December holidays comes from. Now, we have Christianity develop, and at some point, the good old Roman Empire adopts Christianity. And they've already got that December celebration, the Saturnalia. Right. Well, what do we do? Well, the Catholic Church has an answer for that. They've got a holiday for every day. We're going to assimilate that. So they do, and that's how, you know, why Christmas settles on that time of year, because it coincided with existing festivals, and the medieval Catholic Church aren't idiots there. Right. Let's make sure that we're getting people to accept you- us by... Yeah. When you sure, when, when you assimilate, familiar. you want to keep as many of the right. things. It worked for the Romans politically. Yep. It works for late Roman and early medieval Christianity yeah. religiously. Yeah, it, it worked for the military. If we yeah. see a weapon that works, we use it. So the same thing happens. So, you know, Christmas is in December. The Mass of Christ just is literally a religious right. holiday. You're celebrating Christ. Now, of course, when the medieval church gets this going, it's not the celebration that we have today. No. It's it is it is the it is, it is the center of our financial, religious, political time off year. It's the biggest holiday, right? Secular, in, temporal, all in, you know, all the, the things in the Western world and everything the Western world has touched. Right, not right. So in the medieval period, no. So it was it was it was it was a holiday. It was a holiday. It was the Mass of Christ. So how did you celebrate it? You went to church and you heard Mass. You listen to the chanting of the monks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 that sort of thing. You prayed and had a had an aesthetic meal. You know, and, and you, you might would, fast, and and you might 
exchange simple gifts as right. the wise men. Right, the exactly, and that's what that's, you know, well, well, that's actually, there's two things. There's, as the wise men did, so so are we doing, but also there was the tradition with Saturnalia in Rome right. of letting the servants have the day off, having a servant be in charge of the household for the day, and, you know, giving some little trinkets or tokens or food to the servants. You know, so you've got that Roman tradition that's already there. You've got the tradition, as you just said, in the Bible. And so there's that first little glimmer of giving presents. But, th- but trust me, it's not what we do yet. Not, not even, even close. Not even close. So one of the main times we interpret here, we do a lot of 18th and 19th century here at the History Center. And even into the 18th century, it's still not anything close to what we do now. It's still, you're visiting, Absolutely, you're, you're, visiting. you're visiting family, so that's that's like big we do. Meal. Big meal, exactly. But then you would then sing songs, dance, mm-hmm. pray, and if you read uh, Philip Fithian, who's a, a, a tutor in Virginia in the in the 18th century, in the 1770s, he sort of describes you know what Christmas Day was like on a Virginia plantation where he was tutoring kids, and it was and it was what we just described. Plus, they would go outside and shoot guns. Yeah, <laughs> they would fire guns, yeah. which I, I still know folk in the country that do that. <laughs> I grew up doing. That. I say here exactly that's what you did. But but it's still that's all it is. It's it's not this great big thing. So you know a lot of what we've got now. Where does it come from? Well, the good old Victorian era, which uh, which you know in the 19th century, you've got Queen Victoria coming to the throne, and the things that she and her family are doing in the palace start becoming things people emulate. Now, this is very 20th century. Mostly because she married a German. She did marry a German. His name is Albert. Albrecht. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not that, say, the things they were doing were innovative to the British royal family. It's not like these traditions hadn't been done before, but Albert's German putting up a Christmas tree is a very German thing. Yeah. It's part of Yule, the bringing right. in the log and, and the greenery. And they might have had a tree here and there in England, but right, but, but right. not in the royal... I mean, it's just there was no Christmas tree. Exactly. So, so it's, it's not like it's not known. But now when the royal family puts up a tree, well, there's lithographs and goodies magazine and and, yes. and, and all the ladies' home journals showing, oh, look, why look, Queen Victoria and Prince Albert have a tree. And you know how people are. They're sheep. <laughs> <laughs> they they want to they be just like they the famous They want to be people. just, and let's face it, in the 19th century, no one is more famous than Queen Victoria and Prince Albert. They're Nobody. simply not. Nope. They rule an empire. Well, they reign, actually, but anyway. It, well, you know, that's another <laughs> podcast, a- <laughs> Rule and Reign. So anyway, we're going to have a podcast called Sidetracked with Ken and Glenn. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> anyway. People start doing the Christmas tree thing because they've seen it in the magazines and the fashion things. And so, okay, so now that starts spreading. Not unknown before, but now incredibly well-known, and we want to do it. Same thing with Christmas cards. I mean, people had conversed and sent, you know, wishes, but Albert and Victoria did these little formal cards. They, they would have an artist come in, design them, then they would make a lithograph, then and, they would have many printed off and, and send to their right. friends. And so an enterprising fellow in London in the 1850s goes, huh, people sure do like talking about those cards the royals send out. Hey, I'm a printer. I know how to print things. I think I'll run off some just cards that say festive gorging or, or <laughs> whatever it said in a, you know, in a scene of festive gorgers. Happy Christmas to you. Happy Christmas to you. And so he runs these things off and he sells out. 
people go nuts for them because once again, everyone knows, oh, well, the Royal Couple send out these cards. Oh, now I can send out one that's also nice and printed. And I can go get a tree. Yeah, I can get a tree. I can buy this card. And they go gangbusters. So there's two huge traditions right there, the tree and the card. Not that they didn't exist before Victoria and Albert, but Victoria and Albert popularized them. Right. And the same with, you know, the singing of of songs. I mean, clearly, people have sung songs around the Christmas time from time immemorial. But once again, an enterprising, these these Englishmen of the (laughs) the mid-19th century, they are very enterprising. Very. I mean, what with empire and all? You got to do something. (laughs) Decides, oh, I'll put out a, a, a... a pamphlet or a, a, a booklet of here are some of the favorite songs that Victoria and Albert sing at home. Well, as you can imagine, it sells like Christmas cards. It sells right. like it Christmas sells like trees. Crazy. It sells like things that sell. And then we need to come up with something super pop culture that we can sell to the masses for them to consume <laughs> for Christmas. How about Charles Dickens writing some sort of just throwaway Christmas story? <laughs> exactly. That's the same Holy time period. moly. That is the one that, you know, that is actually probably my favorite Christmassy thing ever. Really? Because Ebenezer Scrooge and the Grinch, are there any better models <laughs> Role models for Christmas happiness? I mean, you know, it's, it, it, it is a cool story. It is a direct reflection of Victorian Christmas. It really in is. Victorian England. It really is. It's hilarious. Yeah. It is kind of a neat story. It is. Yeah a reflection and and I know that was it really was one of those things that Dickens was just throwing away trying to make money off the <laughs> off the Christmas thing Dickens was cranking some things out okay he's not thinking I'm going to re- I'm going to create some, a 19th century he's some masterpiece seasonal hack he just happened to be the best one. Yeah, true enough. True enough. He was a fantastic seasonal hack, yes, and it but, stuck. But the thing is, what and I, and I you know, am on well, board, yeah. I'm on board with what you're saying. <laughs> but but it's it's also you know that the the atmosphere for that book has to be created before that book can be written. Absolutely. And so he's and, writing in the in the in the time that's, that now these things are starting to coalesce, and a book like this is going to speak to all these things. Right. And and then you know, and, and it's around this time, the mid the middle of the 19th century. That the gift giving starts starts catching on. Right now, it's going to catch on really big by the end of the nineteenth, early twentieth. But this is when it starts catching on, and there are reasons like Dickens' Christmas Carol and these celeb- these acknowledgments of what the royal family's doing. Uh, but another big thing that influences is industrialization Woo! and mass production and mass media in that. Printing is now cheap and easy because you're not using rag paper anymore. You're using pulp paper. Right. And so you can send out these circulars and these catalogs, and you can advertise in ways you couldn't before. And really, you know, this is this is where the commercialism and capitalism really start in the mid nineteenth century. And it and it a takes tradition off. that continues to this and very it, day. Yeah, and it takes <laughs> off huge when you get to the twentieth century. Right. And so we have Christmas cards now. We have Christmas trees. Right. We have giving presents. Right. We have charity. Right. And things like that. Now, what is the one final component of all this that we need to make Christmas? Well, we, what need, it truly we, need a, we need the symbol of Santa. Is, is that Santa, where you're going? Yeah, Santa. Yes, Santa. Who you know, Santa Claus and all that existed. Yeah, exactly. But what catapulted him to the forefront of nothing could be more American yeah, than exactly. Santa Claus. The American Civil War. That's right. Because <laughs> Thomas Nast the guy who created the modern image of Santa puts him on the cover of Harper's Weekly during the Civil War, his version of Santa. And Santa is dressed not in red trimmed with white fur, 
But in star-spangled red, white, and blue, because Santa is a unionist. He hates the Confederacy. <laughs> He's down with the Confederacy. Let's, let's deliver our liberty for Christmas. Uh, but 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 that's when it, that popped the image of Christmas, right. or the image, excuse me, of Santa. Well, the, the personification, personification of Santa. Personification, right, exactly. The image of Santa comes yeah. about, once again, thanks to industrialization, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola. Well, hired, hired an artist named Sunbloom to start painting these pictures right, to go he, along with holiday yeah. advertising for Coca-Cola. And that is where you get the jolly fat right. man with the red cheeks and the red but hat. he is based on NASA. He is. He but, is. but it is his own thing, exactly. He is. And so every year now, Coca-Cola comes out with a consistent image yep. of what Santa is supposed it's to look, look like. like. And folks, when you close your eyes right now and think of Santa, it's a sun bloom painting. You're, you're seeing a Coke advertisement. It, it is. I mean, I mean that's, it is. that's where it came it's from. It's very overt. Well it, done, Coke. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I've, I've, when I was working in some of the archives at Coke, it was so cool because, of course, Coca-Cola paid him to do these paintings. Right. And so Coca-Cola now holds most of these just in their possession. Right. And the I originals. got the originals. Oh, and I got wow. to work with multiple of these and they're so cool to see <laughs> in person, man. They're so cool. The one coming out of the chimney and all this. And you know, and and now that helps solidify we've got all the things for Christmas right. now as we approach the twenty first century. Uh, this, that's where you get the symbolism. Mm-hmm. You've got the cards, the trees, the Santa, the it's gifts. All it all comes together, and it's all shoved down your throat. <laughs> the, the, at 1201, <laughs> November 1st, that's when this stuff exactly. starts. Um, now, I, you know, we, we probably got to close here because Libba's frantically waving her hands and saying, stop talking, you morons. Uh, except but she's saying it with a festive oh, she's, oh, smile Stop talking, you morons. Uh, <laughs> anyway, leave with one thing. Uh, you know, with the secular war on Christmas, where you're not allowed to write Christmas, it's now Xmas, and that's clearly a symbol of the war on Christmas, you know, having the X abbreviation. Except for one thing, folks that think that's true. The Xmas abbreviation goes back a thousand years. How many years was that, Ken? I thought it would be 1,000. Wow. There were monks. These were people that wrote the word Christ and Christmas. Yeah, but monks don't have anything to do with Christianity, do no, they? No, gosh, no. How could they? <laughs> what with being monks, but as to save space... When they're writing and to save effort, because all these manuscripts in the Middle Ages are copied by hand, they would use the letter X, which is the Chi for Christ. And the, yeah, the Cairo, yes. Exactly. Uh, so it's actually, folks, not modern, and it's actually by monks who are Christians, just abbreviating the word Christ so they can save space in a manuscript. So it's not part of the war on Christmas. There's lots it's to part that. Of the war, it's part of the war on manuscripts. <laughs> We, we love manuscripts here, but we're a dying breed. Gosh, it, true enough. And on that happy note... Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. To all. And to all a good night. Oh, oh, I'm oh. waving for some reason. Oh, oh. <laughs> then Again with Ken and Glenn is a production of the Cottrell Digital Studio at the Northeast Georgia History Center. If you've enjoyed listening to Then Again with Ken and Glenn, please make sure that you subscribe and help us out by writing a review. To learn more about the Northeast Georgia History Center, visit www.negahc.org.